Welcome to the Royalist Rising Podcast. A royalist is a supporter of the King. Jesus is King, and we dare to believe that He created us with purpose to advocate and advance the kingdom within our unique realms of influence. Here you will find real-life stories shared by a millennial newlywed wife on her own journey to practically live out the kingdom in all areas of life. May you be inspired to believe that our God really does use ordinary people to bring Him glory. Thank you for listening to the Royalist Rising podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm going to be sharing with you the raw things that I'm going through in real time. I want to talk about the wait in between when we make up our minds to do something and that moment when we actually start living from that place. If you've ever been or you're currently in a long season of almost but not yet, then this episode is for you. For those of you who don't know me on a personal level, I'm a newlywed wife. My husband's name is Charlie, and we're coming up on our one-year anniversary next month. For pretty much our entire first year of marriage, we've been on this crazy, insane journey towards tiny living. I guess you could say we're aspiring minimalists. We're renovating a fifth wheel into our newlywed dream home. When people first hear about what we're doing, usually they want to ask, how in the world did this whole process get started? So, let's get into it. Two years into our dating relationship, Charlie and I began to seriously talk about where we would ideally want to live and what the word home truly meant to us. Honestly, I wasn't really sure what that deciding factor would be for me, that would make me have that heart moment, letting me know I was finally home. I did know that I had a strong desire to be a homemaker and do all of the things like buying furniture, picking out paint colors, and hanging decor on the walls. I guess I felt like those little details were what would transform a space into that peaceful and cozy atmosphere that I knew would bring the comfort and stability of home for Charlie and I. Now I can honestly say that at this point, I do believe that home is where the heart is. I know, that is super cliche. And for you to connect with how I really arrived at that place in my mind, I need to share a little bit of the backstory. I remember the night that Charlie and I went on our very first Books A Million visioneering date night, something that we now try to do every couple of months. A Books A Million date night consists of yogurt mountain frozen yogurt piled high with toppings, which I nicknamed Funland because of all the kiddie options like frosted animal crackers and Sour Patch Kids that we would splurge on. Somehow I think that this helped us get into that carefree, wonder-filled mindset that we needed to spark up our wild imaginations. So yogurt in hand, we would head over to the magazine section and pick out two or three magazines each. Usually, they'd have something to do with travel, homemaking, carpentry, or wedding planning. We would spend hours pointing out things we loved and dreaming up big plans for our futures. 
Then we could return all the magazines to the shelves, which made this one of our favorite pretty cheap date nights. So if you're looking for an idea, give this one a try. Ever since that very first Books in My End trip, I remember feeling torn between two worlds of desire that competed with one another. Because on the one hand, there was the allure of grandiose living, elaborate events, and flashy clothing. Those things appeared to be so lovely and desirous. But then on the flip side were these pictures of quaint houses with big style, breathtaking elopements, and minimalist ethical fashion. I'd never really known anything outside of my dreams of a huge wedding in a two-story house with that white picket fence, but somehow I knew that those things were learned desires born out of what I had seen modeled on television or deemed important by other people's opinions of success. It was as if I was seeing a new standard of living for the very first time, and my heart, it leaped with excitement at this new potential. Charlie was sold on the tiny house movement pretty much from its inception. He dropped a tiny house magazine down on the neon green books a million table as if it were his this is it declaration. But on the other hand, I was very skeptical. I remember telling him I could never live in one of those tiny houses. So with that, the dream was pretty much put to rest. Charlie's the type of man who doesn't press his vision on me, but instead waits to see if I will someday catch it. And that shared opinion becomes his confirmation of its origin. So several years of radical growth and intense inner transformation followed those first couple years of our dating relationship. My family faced divorce along with all of its relational aftermath. We lost family members, navigated through some dysfunctional behaviors, and developed new normalcies. On a more personal level, I experienced traumatic health scares, anxiety, depression, identity crisis after quitting my job, and even post-traumatic stress disorder. Over the span of six years, my life fell apart, came back together, and then crumpled into pieces all over again. I began questioning all of my values, found a new perspective on life, and realized where my treasures truly lie. During that time, Charlie was the most supportive and gracious man who took care of me mentally, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. He led me closer to Jesus than I had ever been. And though he has his vices, he showed me a picture of what the sacrificial love of our Savior is. After healing and restoration came in my life, Charlie proposed to me the week after Christmas during our sixth year of dating at the top of Hawksbill Mountain in North Carolina. The following year, we were married in a small white stained glass church in front of 50 of our closest friends and family. At that point in my life, I had seriously considered eloping. But in the end, we decided that we wanted our friends and family to share in that special day. We did choose not to have a large reception, but instead had a sweet friend who created a cupcake table for our guests to take on their way out of the church. After saying our goodbyes, Charlie and I slipped away to one of our favorite lakes in our little town, where we watched the sunset, took pictures, had our first dance, and walked barefoot in the night air. It was so sweet and intimate, and I feel like because we had less, we were able to do so much more, and it was a lot less stressful. Charlie and I were really set on getting a house. 
Um, and we even spent time prayerfully walking through one. We felt so much peace about it. And out of nowhere, that peace lifted. Weeks before, plans fell through. And in all of that aftermath of uncertainty, we really began to pray about what God wanted us to do next. We were so unsure of our next move, but God brought extraordinary people into our lives who taught us a wild adventure and radical faith. We became so hungry for more, but we really weren't sure what exactly that meant. So the whole tiny house lifestyle had been tabled pretty much since that first conversation about it all those years ago at Books A Million. But now we felt God challenging our hearts to seriously consider the idea. He gave us visions, specific visions, of many things that could be possible if we were to embrace a newlywed season of tiny living. And maybe I'll talk more about that later. I don't know. We really haven't started down those paths and they're pretty terrifying. So only God really knows what's next. But we did say yes to tiny living and began a long process of seeking out the best tiny house option for us. The road to finding our fifth wheel was a long one. We originally thought we would end up in a legit tiny house, like you would find in one of those tiny living magazines, which if you're curious, there is a show on Netflix. It's called Tiny House Nation, which will kind of give you an idea of what these look like. But we soon found out that those small little homes cost a fortune and provide way less space than some of the other choices. So after that was a no-go, we looked into remodeling an old school bus. The buses looked really promising, but they would have been way more work than we were willing to take on at that time. Sprinter van conversions are popular um, for so many van lifers that we follow on social media, but realistically, I knew that that was not going to be enough space for me. So finally, we found the world of full-time RV living. Oh my stars, my heart literally burst with excitement when I saw my first RV family making our dreams feel possible. The world of full-time RVers is so much larger than I ever thought, and it's a tribe that is growing in numbers every year. We found all kinds of families from newlyweds to there was like a one baby family that had a little nursery that they made in a closet, and there were even multiple homeschooling families with three or even five kids in this RV. It was crazy. But there was such a plethora of knowledge available on how to renovate and all this inspiration from dramatic before and after photos that we really thought this is something that we could take on. And we knew that in doing that, we would be able to get debt free. We would just have such an awesome season of being able to save, being more open and available to God and living a lot more intentionally. I'm going to go ahead and preface the rest of this story by saying, yes, friends, we were a little bit naive when it came to realistic timeframes for this journey based on our limited knowledge, and we got in over our heads, for sure. I do actually have some experience with RVs. My grandparents have owned five or more, I've lost count, RVs throughout my lifetime. They had one that looked like this giant tour bus. It was amazing inside. They had a few smaller travel trailers, a large fifth wheel, and now they have a Class C motorhome. And on several occasions during Charlie and I's dating relationship, I would go over to their property and spend a week-long prayer retreat by myself in their RV. So if anything, I knew what it felt like to stay in an RV for longer than a night or two. Side note. 
I think that God has an awesome sense of humor and that some of my most powerful times with him have been during those week-long RV stays. Little did I know what he had in mind for us. Our journey into the world of full-time RV living tangibly began when we went to our very first RV super show in Tampa. This was the largest showcase in Florida and we fully believed we would find our dream RV somewhere on the grounds. I think that we did get a feel for what it would be like space-wise living in an RV through this experience, but we were pretty overwhelmed because there were so many options available and we didn't really find anything we loved at the show, but we did make up our minds that we wanted to find a toy hauler because it would allow the option of that extra room in the back, which was usually um, used for like bikes and tools and four-wheelers, but it provided more separation for us and they were actually a lot more affordable as well. So after searching for several months at every RV dealership in our area, we were not having luck. So we started questioning if we would even use that back room. I mean, they did feel pretty tiny and they didn't have as many windows as a typical RV interior would. And a lot of them needed to be reconfigured for the option of adding air conditioning. The opposing slide outs in the living space is what we really wanted, but we knew we wouldn't be able to find that in a toy hauler. So at this point, we decided maybe we should go ahead and apply for RV loans so we could purchase a newer, more spacious fifth wheel. The problem here was neither of us had any major debt, which meant our credit was unimpressive, and nobody wanted to provide us with a recreational loan. We did feel pretty discriminated against because of our age, since it's not common for two young people just starting out to buy a new fifth wheel. Many of the dealerships we visited treated us like we weren't serious customers based on our age alone. So we could have easily gotten an outrageously large home or auto loan, but a recreational loan for more than $10,000 was not going to happen. We made up our minds that if we were going to be renovating a fifth wheel anyways, maybe it made sense to buy an older one that needed a little bit more work. This way we could do all of the cosmetic remodeling and some slightly more complicated structural renovations all at the same time. So with our new plan in hand, we set out to look for a used fifth wheel that would be more affordable through our V-Trader. The whole process had already taken much longer than we had originally planned and we hadn't even bought anything yet. We were feeling definitely stressed out and we were running out of time because our wedding date at this time was like two months away. So Charlie's parents ended up presenting us with this offer to move in with them for a few months. That way we could spend more time searching for the RV without being on a time crunch. I struggled with the idea of moving in with his parents as a newlywed married couple Yikes, it was definitely not ideal, not a part of my plan at all, but I knew that we didn't want to just do what is typical and move into an apartment and we didn't want to get into something we didn't love and just try to avoid the uncomfortableness of a co-living situation and take the easy way out, it felt like. So one of our married couples um, ended up meeting me during that time and she actually has a lot of young kids and they were moving in with her in-laws while they were building a new home and that brought me a lot of perspective on this idea of moving in with his parents for a while 
So we prayed about it. You know, we didn't want to rush into anything we didn't have peace about. So we moved in with his parents after we got married. And I am so glad we took them up on their gracious offer. It was such a blessing in disguise because shortly after we got married, on September 21st, 2018, we moved in with his parents. It was supposed to be a three-month period. And in November 2018, we did find the God Broker Deal of a Lifetime on our RV. The most forgotten RV on the lot, a 2009 Heartland Bighorn 3055 RL, was up for sale at a used dealership in Melbourne. Come to find out, it wasn't leveled properly when the dealership set it up for display, and that resulted in some serious water damage that got in and just destroyed the carpet, destroyed the flooring, destroyed a part of the wall. And this smaller family dealership didn't have the time and really didn't have the energy to pour into getting it back into shape, which meant they were selling it on an as-is basis, and it was a heck of a steal. The pictures online, they did show the water damage, but when we walked through it, it was very different from seeing the damage in a picture. We were a little bit overwhelmed. We took on a massive fixer-upper project, RV edition. We felt like Chip and Joanna Gaines, (laughs) but you know, there was no real way for us to have known how long it would take and how much work it would really be because everything we did and everything we took on was something that we'd never faced before. It was a new challenge. So we ended up getting our little home, parking it on Charlie's Poppy's land where it would stay during our renovation period, which we really thought would take three months to complete. Unfortunately, the week after our very first demo day, I got painfully sick and I actually had to have surgery. The whole ordeal made us lose all of Charlie's time off over Christmas break, and that's when we were going to spend the most time renovating. So my surgery was a definite setback. We never could have planned for that, but thankfully, God knew what was coming. He had us positioned perfectly with family who were able to take care of me throughout the recovery, and they were such a wonderful support and blessing to us that I'm so thankful we had. We were also prayerfully and financially supported by Charlie's work who allowed him extra time off to be with me for every appointment and every procedure. So in the midst of all these great trials and stresses, we were blessed with otherworldly kindness, support, and love. And we would not have made it through that without the people God surrounded us with during that time. So you just never know. The setbacks could be setting you up for something you never knew you needed. Once I finally started feeling better, Charlie and I threw ourselves into our work on a newlywed dream home. And as I'm recording this podcast, we are finally at the end of our journey. This coming weekend, we're going to be moving our fifth wheel from Poppy's Land to its new home where it's going to stay for about a year. And if you would have told me eight or nine months ago that I would be waiting this long before moving into our tiny house, friends, I don't think I could have done it. I wouldn't have known how crucial and how wonderful this process was going to be for us. I mean, at that time, in the very beginning, I didn't even think I would make it through that initial estimated three-month period. But here we are, eight months later, on the other side, 
And it wasn't without its trials. I mean, there were tearful days. There were arguments in the heat of the day while we're trying to figure out what the heck we're doing. And there were times where we just were completely mentally done. But looking back, I wouldn't change a single thing, truly. I think the most incredible thing about God is that he knows exactly how to get us from point A to point B. It is easy to look at something on social media or to flip through a magazine and want that kind of lifestyle for ourselves, but it's another thing entirely to walk the path that it takes to get there. I think the lesson of this last decade for me is all about waiting. God is teaching me that there are lessons to be learned and memories to be made even in the wait that are absolutely necessary to my story. Without them, I wouldn't be who I'm becoming. The waiting is where we are built. And it's also interesting to note that eight is the number of new beginnings and it has taken us eight months to finish renovating our fifth wheel. God is so precise. It is so easy to see God's fingerprints now when we know the beginning and the end of the story. But in the waiting, even when it isn't perfect, being present is still worth it. Yeah, it's stinking tough sometimes, so give yourself a little bit more credit and see where you are as progress, even when there are still so many unknowns. Going forward, I see little glimpses of where God is leading us, and I believe This journey has just begun, and I hope that next time I will thrive in our waiting season. My prayer for you, friend, is that you will go with God and not struggle against Him, which delays progress even further, but work with Him. Stop working against Him. He knows what He's doing. And I hope you will come to this place where you know deep within yourself that He has bright and beautiful paths for you to walk in, even when you feel like you're a million miles from where you want to be. If you are curious to hear more about our journey with this RV renovation and see some before and after pictures and even some vlogs, you can visit our website, theheartofaroyalist.com, which I will link below in the show notes. And we would love to hear from you. I'm going to end this podcast with a verse that God has been speaking to me through this season. It's Colossians 1.12, the message version. It says, I have a strength that endures, even the things I think are unendurable, and spills over into joy. I thank my Father, who makes me strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful He has for me. Mm